Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders like you get the knowledge and skills you need to impact more people and live the life you've always wanted. Get ready to experience tools, tips, and advice by the co-founders of Giant and best-selling authors, Jeremy Kubacek and Steve Cockrum. Hello, friends. Jeremy Kubitschek here, and welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm with Steve Cockrum. Steve, how, how are you this morning? I am so well. Thank you very much. Um, London is warm and engaging. Yes, well, I assume your cultural imperialism now controls the time. It used <laughs> to be Greenwich Mean Time, the world revolved around, but of course now it's uh, America, so I'll That's let you have it. that one. <laughs> dude um good to see you um yeah we have a lot of things happening today is going to be so fun we have mm. such an amazing uh guest with us today one of our well i won't give it away too much but one of our all-time <laughs> favorites in our life so we can't wait to be able to share and he's living in a crazy location around the world so i think you're going to find this if you're listening it's going to be a really interesting but before you do that What's happened, Steve? Give us an update. Uh, what what's the what's the big things that are going on in your world, personally and or you know? Good. That's great. Great question. Thank you for asking. Always good to be learn to be interested before trying to be interesting. That was uh, that was one of our tools, wasn't it? So we're we're still moving in, which is exciting. So house is good, but um, I don't know quite what's happened. But there've just been so many requests for work in the last couple of weeks. At kind of pretty senior levels. So building out the team for Giant London, as you know, we now have a new little website called LondonGiant.com. Really exciting to see that taking shape. And uh, the big thing I think over here has been we've celebrated the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, which is hard to comprehend that she's actually been on the throne now for 70 years. So we had some really great times, like street parties, and we had like four days holiday, which I know for America is your annual allowance. But there were all kinds of sort of festival events in London, took the kids in some of those. But it was just really moving, actually. Brits are, you know, we, we tend to take a bit of a hard time on things like, you know, our colonial past. But actually, do you know, it was one of those moments when it was really good to celebrate that which is British. And there's nothing more British than the monarchy. And there's nothing more British, really, than when kind of the monarchy and pageantry and I guess the political world and the, the the Church of England all come together. So yeah, really quite an upbeat moment here in sunny London. Okay, and what what did you call it? What's the, what was it again? The, the, it's the platinum platinum jubilee. Okay, so let me just give you the context <laughs> of what most <laughs> Americans. On. So yeah, come on, most Americans when they saw it because it was on the news of like, hey, the Queen's cel- celebrating the platinum jubilee. Most mm-hmm. Americans are looking at the screen like, like what what does it mean like what is that what's platinum i think i can get there jubilee because most people we just don't have that language yeah in interesting so, so what in the world so, is it was it just a so so roller it's the ring? anniversary <laughs> good lord if you'd if you'd not been so um hasty in the the harbor at boston you might have been part of the jubilee as well so oh, um, yeah. no basically what it is is it's the anniversary maybe that's a better word for you of um her coming to the throne for her coronation so we have a, a okay. queen and basically she was uh coronated 
uh, 70 years ago. So that's what the anniversary was, a, a big celebration, really, of going the longest-serving monarch in British yeah, history. Yeah. And I cannot believe for the life of me anybody is ever going to beat 70 no. years. I mean, she's 96, the old girl, and, you know, um, she believes it's a calling. Um, she's a very real face. She's amazing. I, I don't yeah. think she's going to give it up until uh, until she actually departs this world. But I think she's had like 14 prime ministers, probably even more American presidents. But uh, oh, yeah. her grasp of history is is remarkable. So yeah, Churchill was her first prime minister. That's how back, far back we go. I am uh, not, you know, we've talked about this. Uh, for those of you who listened for a while on the Liberator podcast or the Giant podcast, we, uh, Kelly and I, when we moved to London, we had such an appreciation we probably left what's our one thing we left uh, England with, and it was appreciation for the Queen. She's mm. unbelievable. Like she's a liberator mm. through mm. and through. And so she I speaks agree very that. highly of you, Jeremy, as well. She I really know. enjoyed it was so the dinner you invited her to. I just thought that was amazing. She's yeah. such amazing. I and mean, she's really, really good at chess. But mm. uh, anyway, um, but I. Uh, I think it was so funny, just the language barrier, like the little cultural mm. dynamics. Like no one had a clue of what a platinum jubilee was. No. So an anniversary. Oh, the Queen's anniversary. There We're in. Go. There you go. There you go. Now, there <laughs> and of course, we have a, what's called a constitutional monarchy, which means we don't have a constitution, which, uh, but everything is by precedent that goes back hundreds, if not longer in years. And she plays an incredible role because, in a sense, she is the head of everything, but she doesn't actually have any power, which in some ways has worked remarkably well. So in theory, yeah. it's her government, her church, and her army. Yeah. But ultimately, um, yeah. But what, I mean, I just think longevity as a leader. I don't think there's a more respected leader in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good on you, Queenie. Yeah. That's right. That's awesome. Well, we'll celebrate that. Um, yeah. So you've got you've been moving into your house. We have mm-hmm. had um, we've been rebuilding our family farmstead into mm-hmm. a retreat center, uh, a wedding venue, and we're doing it with our family. So our uh, Will is is involved, and Kate is involved, and and Addie's playing a little role. And then Kelly obviously is running this. And so it's been so fun to basically, you know, uh, that's Kelly's business is the development. And so it's really fun to watch her come into her, uh, you know, and it was really fun to watch Kelly Mm -hmm. as we went to empty nest, her finding her purpose Mm -hmm. and really stepping into that purpose that her purpose wasn't just raising kids. It was a part of it, but really finding what she's really gifted at, at that stage of life. And, thrive in it and uh, it's so fun watching i'm just celebrating my wife because she's got these good old boy vendors and subcontractors who treat women t- traditionally like oh so is your husband developing mm. and she's like uh <laughs> i am but she's not doing it out of pride and she then she mm. earns the respect and she's because she's so competent and kind mm. then they begin fighting for her and it was so fun this last week, two of our vendors uh, straightened up two other vendors, subcontractors. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was just, it's just fun. I'm, I'm celebrating my wife because uh, how good a job she's doing at leading people and leading projects. And um, it's fun. It's just fun to see her um, thrive in that. So there we go. 
You were saying before that um, this concept of integrity and leadership is so foundational to what we're seeing in the world right now. Why don't you tell tell every of our millions of listeners around the world what, what what's kind of triggered that for you? Just thinking about this idea of how significant integrity is for leaders. Yeah, and it well, and it's the com- combination is the, that we teach right in the influence model. There's character and chemistry, and then there's competency and credibility. And um, I think what I would say is this: there, there are a lot of politicians who are masters in ma- manipulation. Is probably a political <laughs> tool. Mm-hmm. Because you have to you have to phrase and share narratives, but theories continue to be uh, experimented on inside government, commerce, uh, you know, the economy, uh, political um, initiatives, and theories are being proven to not work. <laughs> and it's like, yes, there's this gl- global cause and effect. COVID launched this, which launched this, but then it's the overcorrection or uh, that's just causing inflation. You know, you could have all types of dialogues and and, and uh, arguments around it. But what's interesting is the lack of responsiveness is causing credibility issues, which is causing integrity issues, which means mm-hmm. when you can't just go, you know what? Yeah, we thought it was this. But it's not, and we're mm. gonna. But when you constantly are blaming the other people, no matter who it is, you just lose credibility from everyone, both sides of whatever far left, far right, whatever it is. Mm. And it just is fascinating. And I got to set with a uh, significant um, national leader uh, recently and just talking about this. And we talked about a situation, and he asked me for some advice. Uh, in one of his political political foes. And I said, well, what would you traditionally do? And he told me, I said, so what would, have, what would you do to trade up? What would a better offering be? And I basically suggested with this person, what if you just went on a walk? And what if you, and I took him through the flywheel, you know, what if you just focused on resetting communication, rebuilding relational trust, reestablishing alignment, so that you can get things done and execute and build a better capacity for the relationship. And he's going to try it. And so it'll be fun to see. I'll see you next month uh, how it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be the bigger person mm-hmm. is really, guess, guess what I'm after here? And I go, because of that, we're losing so many political leaders are losing so much credibility. So yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we've seen it over here this week. Um, politics is never dull anymore. Um, so there's a vote of no confidence by the, his own party in Boris Johnson. Not, well, I mean, some may disagree over his policies, but fundamentally it was over an issue of character and integrity, the belief that actually um, it's impossible to believe that he wasn't lying to Parliament effectively. And even though he won a pretty significant majority, nearly 150 you know, 40, 40%, 41% of the Conservative Party members of Parliament voted basically saying we believe that integrity is more important than basically competence and the future. Now, maybe there's some other ulterior motives, like would they get elected? But it was, it's very interesting. I, I, I still have a suspicion. I have a huge amount of sympathy for politicians living in the 24-7 news cycle where everything you say can be used and evidence can be used. I'd please, 
I know people in that world, it is so difficult. But I think the thing is, you can always hold your hand up and say, I got something wrong. And I think that in the end, we respect that more in leaders than we do in people constantly denying that they didn't get something wrong. When all of a sudden you start to question, well, I'm not sure I trust you. And if I don't trust you, then in the end, why would I trust you with the bigger issues of what's happening in our world? So it's, you know, I'm almost going, I really wish people would actually try to treat the electorate like, you know, adults and actually believe that if you are able to go, had Boris stood up and said, look, guys, in hindsight, we got it wrong. You know, it'd been a terrible time. We've been working every other godsend. I nearly died having COVID. Looking at it now, it's horrible. I really wish we hadn't done it. I'm so sorry. Do you know it would have gone by now and people would have gone, yeah, fair enough. None of us fully applied with the law either, if we're honest. So, <laughs> but because he stood up in Parliament and said, nothing to see, no parties, no nothing, in the end it's left a pretty sour taste. And the, the Brits, we quite like to be able to trust our leaders. They don't yep. necessarily have to be hugely competent, but integrity seems to be much harder to win back once it's been burnt. So that's a good reflection anyway. We probably ought to move on. Um, we're going to call back the amazing who keeps us in order, Tracy Rader, um, our director of our podcast. And Tracy, I think, know, has... Did you know... I'm sorry, before you get there, Steve, for the question, I thought I'd bring this up. Did you know what Tracy's doing right now? She she has almost... She's, she's working on her pilot's license. No she, way. She's been flying, what, 10... 10, about 10 uh, lessons so far so far yeah it's been fun but she's taking off landing she's doing the whole bit she literally i mean that's just wow. cool i just thought i'd point it out to our, our tracy's audience. one of the few people i would probably trust to go in an airplane with <laughs> on the grounds that she would actually do the details and follow the rules so the less keen if you and i were driving it if that's for sure uh, tracy that's amazing well, i love gosh, it i can't wait Jeremy, to hear now more. i've got pressure to, to finish see i was just casually doing it now now you've announced it to the world <laughs> i have to complete it oh my goodness yes. all right let's get because to obviously tracy you always always start things and don't finish them is a hallmark <laughs> of your behavior not uh, anyway come on give us our question yes, tracy what have we yes, got today i think a lot of people are going to relate to this question actually uh leo from alberta canada canada says when i lead my weekly team meetings one person historically dominates the conversation and derails my meeting agenda i've talked to him about it twice but there's no change how do i get a handle on this Ooh, go on jez i'll let you go first connectors go before yeah, pioneers. Well, we, we have the rules of team engagement and you know part of it is when you start about communication in relationship every team is a flywheel so it starts with communication and how do you how do you establish that well what we would recommend is that everyone on the team that starts with the five voices and when you learn um, the language the voice of the other people around your team or on your table uh, and you begin to understand the dynamics of that then you build relational trust then you can get alignment and so forth so um, in that case, learning the five voices is a great start. And then uh, in the process of that, we teach about the rules and team engagement, which I'll tee up to you, Steve, to, to walk through. Sure. Thank you. So, so Leah, I think that, yes, Jeremy's right. Teach the voices. And we usually let nurturers go first, creatives, guardians, connectors, and pioneers, so that everybody has a chance to be heard, valued, and appreciated. However, Leo, if this character um, is still doing it, the question I would have really is in relation to the kind of support and challenge. So my question is, do you think this person has really heard you 
or have you hinted that you don't really like the behavior they're doing and they haven't really grasped it? So I think the first thing will be is just to make sure, Leo, that this person understands what you want them to not do in a team meeting and that they can repeat back to you, Leo, I've heard you say that. Because there are some voices, Leo, I don't know whether this is you or not, who probably think they've been clearer in communication than they have and potentially brought more challenge. And I think in the end, um, it's very, very unlikely that a guardian or a pioneer has given the advice of please do not interrupt and derail my meetings and not been heard. So that's where I'd start. And then in the end, you probably have to bring more challenge. You explain what the impact is, use voices and rules of engagement, to say, look, is this what you want to do to the team? Is this really what you want others to experience of you? Most people are unconsciously incompetent. And so I think somewhere between those three things of teaching voices, rules of engagement, you making sure, Leo, they've really heard the challenge you want, and then if need be, actually asking them, is that really the reputation and the impact you want to have on our team? If they still don't change after all those things, then you probably you're into a place of going, well, are you going to be in this team longer term? But that's my, that's a, a pioneer, one, two, three, four. By the time you get to four, I'm sure the issue will have been solved, Leo. But thanks for asking the question and being vulnerable. Absolutely. Keep asking those questions. We love it. Appreciate it. All right, so let's get to it. We have a guest, and uh, this guest is a very special person in our life, um, Mike Opadal. Mike is in Bhutan. Bhutan. What's up, Mike? <laughs> What's up, guys? <laughs> How you doing, brother? I am fantastic. Not as good as oh, you guys. So good. Well, let me, <laughs> let me explain. Uh, Mike Opadal to us uh, has been uh, a dear friend, a, a compatriot, a uh, a comrade in arms. We've done so much work together. Um, and we met Mike in 2013, I think yes. it was. Um, so, um, and so Mike basically joined our team and played a myriads of different roles from uh, kind of a chief revenue officer, chief operating officer, president. He's played many, many different roles. And this last uh, December, he and his family decided to move and to asia and launch giant asia and really um doing amazing but they moved to bhutan in the himalayas and most people don't know where that's at so it's south of china north of india uh, east of nepal so it's it's a really uh mountainous uh beautiful area but mike um welcome to the giant leadership podcast and uh tell us how a guy living in florida moves to Bataan. Yeah, Jeremy, <clears throat> you know, when I was growing up, um, people would often ask me the proverbial question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, uh, you know, I think the what never quite mattered to me. Um, I just knew I wanted to do something significant. Um, I wanted to impact the world. I wanted to leave a, a, a life that, that mattered. And um, one of our friends, Bronson, would say, put a dent in the universe. And so I, I pursued things that would actually make an impact, would actually matter and then in 2013, I met a couple of blokes, Jeremy Kubitschek and Steve Cockrum, and they were carrying this banner. And the banner said, we're going to change the way people lead all over the world. Specifically, it said, we want to raise up liberators, the right kind of leaders who are going to change their leadership culture in every sector and city in the world. And I said, who wouldn't want to be a part of a vision to change the way leadership? You guys have talked about it already with Boris and with the Queen, with some of the politics in the U.S., 
um, the world doesn't need more leaders. We need better leadership. And so uh, I, I hitched my wagon to, to the two of you guys. And, you know, in the beginning, we would say after we trained consultants in the U.S. and the U.K., how are we going to get into every sector and city in the world? One way is to bring them all to the U.S. or the U.K. and train them for six months and then send them back. Another way is to pick up your family, pack your bags and go live and be an indigenous leader and actually create authentic relationships and immerse yourself in a culture. And so I decided uh, it was we, we were uh, discovered uh, at the beginning of last year that we were supposed to come here to Bhutan to launch Giant Asia and carry that that torch of liberation here in the east. Amazing, Mike. I mean, you know, I, I just love the story. I, I'll, it'll be part of my kind of thought at the end that there's so little self-preservation in Giant and so many people have gone and done what was best. But here's my here's my question for you. Um, you became known as the bulldog of liberation. In fact, you are known as the bulldog of liberation the world over, not because you only really had one tool at the time to use, but because it was become such a key part of who you are. Bulldogs get their teeth into something and they never let go. And that once you were with somebody, it was almost like they were going to grow and they were going to become a leader worth following. So the question is this, is what was it about that vision for liberation that was so powerful for you? And also, what does it mean for you now to be a liberating leader in Asia Help, help us understand what that, that word that we've used for you and that you've used in many ways of yourself. Help us understand why liberation is so important and, and what it's meaning for you right now and your family in Bhutan. Yeah, I think, Steve, uh, initially, and you know the story, but um, having to look in the mirror at our support and challenge matrix, which is, I think, the only tool that I know you would say, Steve. Um, I think I know two tools now, but that's the first one I learned. And when you look in the mirror... That's progress. <laughs> it's It's progress. Um, when you look in the mirror uh, and and you and you're honest with yourself about am I actually being a liberator in every circle of influence, it's almost impossible for anyone to say yes. And I think what I decided is that I was deficient in every circle of influence. I wasn't a liberator to myself, my family, my team, my community, my business, or my community. And so I think it was just uh, once you see that, if you're really honest with yourself, it has to kind of put a fire in your belly to change. And so I started focusing on. How do I become a liberator with my family, with my children and my wife? How do I become a liberator with my team? Um, what, what would it be like to be a liberator to my neighbor? And these were the kind of things that I started focusing on. And I think after a while, I found that um, calibrating support and challenge for people and watching them become empowered and have opportunity in their life is actually kind of addicting. It becomes uh, almost like a, you know, a drug, a healthy drug that that, that spurs on the, the another day of like, hey, who am I going to liberate today? And so I think, Steve, for me, it was um, looking, being honest with myself and saying, do I really want to live a life where I'm not being a liberator? <laughs> and that just didn't sound like too much fun. And so I went for it. And, and the last thing I'd say is this. After a while, um, being a liberator for others can actually become easier. I'm not saying it's easy, but easier. But the biggest lesson I learned was being a liberator to yourself on a regular basis is one of the most difficult tasks in the world. And, you know, we say in giant, you can't give that what you don't possess. So for me, I'm learning that, man, if I can't fight for my own highest possible good, it sounds funny. It sounds selfish, but I promise you it's not. <laughs> if you can't fight for your own highest possible good and allow support and challenge in your own life, you, you won't be able to truly become a liberator for those uh, in your circles of influence. So for me, it's like, you know, why not go for it? But it's also, hey, keep fighting for yourself. Otherwise, uh, you might wake up one day and find out it's harder than you think. <laughs> 
<laughs> so good. And Mike, this next one is so in Bhutan right now. What is what does being a liberator mean right now? Who are the people you're engaging with? Give us a little sense of what your world looks like because most people have no idea. The culture here is so incredibly different. Um, I'm not just in Asia. Um, if we were, if be honest, if I was in Japan, it would be completely different. I know this because um, our director of training for Giant Asia is from Japan. So here in Bhutan, it's very difficult. Um, they're a developing nation, one of the lowest GDPs in the world. They're a constitutional monarchy, Steve. They used to be a part of, um, mm. you know, obviously um, <laughs> the world over Britain. And so um, what you'll find is that the culture here is incredibly different in the West. The mindset is different. The thinking is different. Mm. And so what it looks like to be a liberator here is to find um, the people who are hungry to see this type of positive change in themselves and maybe in a nation and to really pour into them. Because I think in the West, when, when, when we, Jeremy, you know this, when we walk around in the West and we talk about liberation, most people grasp onto it pretty quickly. It's kind of like, yeah, that's, you know, independence, freedom fighters, this, this kind of, these are not words used over here. And so it's almost like we have to start at the very beginning and go, who's ready to see some healthy empowerment and opportunity and it's, it's a smaller tribe in the beginning, but I'm hopeful that that, you know, 11.7% will get to so we can see a tip in, in a general thinking. It's good, Mike. So as you moved over and you have your family there and you were, I mean, you were quarantined for 21 days, right? <laughs> and two and months of lockdown. Crazy. And, <laughs> and almost every night you and I would talk and on, on, you know, FaceTime and you would have been they just delivered you this horrible well, unbelievably spicy curry yep. every the meal every time <laughs> 21 days yeah but how so how are you keeping yourself healthy is my question but tell any stories along the way of like what are you doing to keep yourself healthy in that culture and in the the change yeah no i will answer that Koo, but i think if, first i would say um you know uh i think it's really important as a leader to think of the your life in terms of seasons um, and so there's different seasons where I think different things need to keep you healthy. There was a time when I was listening to podcasts and, you know, listening to MP3s or maybe even CDs. I'm old enough to say that. And I was getting, reading books and audiobooks and all these things and just getting a lot of info, information into myself. Um, moving to 21 days of quarantine and then two months of lockdown and being in a foreign country, my family wasn't with me for the first six weeks. This was a season, the way that I, I tried to stay healthy anyways, was um, really a lot of reflection and journaling. So like where there was a season of like a lot of information in, this has been a, a season of being, of like what, what really looking inside and going, reflecting and saying, who, who really am I? What do I really value? What do I really care about? There's a lot of perspective when you fly over to a developing nation and live in quarantine for two and a half months. It's, it's a big slap in the face of, of perspective. And so for me, it's been a lot of more internal and, and interestingly, Steve would tell you, since I'm an, a, a guardian pioneer, uh, I've had a lot of introvert time. <laughs> so, so maybe, maybe I'll come into a new season where I'll start going from knowledge to being to doing. Um, but this, it's really been a season of reflection and really slowing down and appreciating the change of pace. It's awesome. Well, Mike, uh, we're so proud of you, man, and we're so excited and, and thankful just for the pioneering and truly pioneering into giant Asia and doing it from a a really challenging place. And uh, but you know that's the way we do it, and you're you're just a great example of that. So uh, you've got Ashley, your four kids that I love, and uh, 
yeah, proud of you. They need so. they need some candy from Uncle Kubachek. So it, next next right? time next time you're in the neighborhood, maybe you're at maybe yep. you're at Mount Everest base camp or something. I'll just will you pop over and bring some candy? I was just over there last week, oh. but I didn't. No. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I missed you. <laughs> <laughs> Toby's in Nepal at the moment, uh, Mike. So. But <laughs> for those who are listening around the world, and obviously there'll be people in Asia at the moment, if they want to find out more how they can connect with Giant Asia, or maybe add Giant into their coaching consulting business, or even potentially think about how, how does Giant help them build liberating leaders in Asia, how would they get hold of you? Yeah, so um, our our website is giantasia.co, not com.co. Um, so giantasia.co. And then um, uh, my email address is mike at giantasia.co. So if folks are interested in joining um, this version that's liberating people in the East, um, they're more than welcome to reach out to our team. And we actually do have a quite a large team already building. We've got about 15 on the team in the last two months um, who have joined. And so we're, we're starting mm-hmm. to expand. So, yeah. Love Good job, it. Mike. Uh, proud of you, man. All right. It's amazing. He was, he, Mike, Mike, I was trying to work out when it was, it 2013. So yep. Mike was, um, after the boys was our first hire, wasn't he really? And, yep. um, what an amazing decision. Um, so what's your final thought for us today, Joe? I'll let, I'll let you go first. If you've got something profound for us. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think it is, uh, even what Mike was saying, it's like, um, when you can actually have the time to reflect on what you believe, uh, who you really are and what you really want. I think that would be an amazing exercise for anyone listening just mm-hmm. to reflect and actually make sure that you're, you're poking at the foundational levels that you actually believe what you are doing, or uh, you, you, you've checked in on your values and your vision and you've just said, this isn't stagnant. This is real. And I appreciate that Mike, because mm-hmm. um, he's, he basically had to, reset and go do i really believe this and am i willing to risk and sacrifice to get to the vision and in mike's case yes so how many of you would would do that same thing and risk that amount that are listening so that's my that's my uh thought for us how about you that's really good i think what i think for me it ties into this concept of self-preservation and generosity one of the things i've always loved about um, giant is every year around about this time we've often asked, well, ro- what roles are people playing? And is that still the best possible role for them to play in the organization going forward? So if I look at you, me, Mike, we're all in different roles because in the end, the vision was bigger than the self-preservation of any individual. And I think when I listen to Mike and go, obviously self-preservation, our three questions are, you know, what are you trying to hide? What are you afraid of losing? What are you trying to prove and to whom? What Mike embodies for me is a lack of self-preservation that actually he gave up his salary on staff. He gave up, you know, all those things to go and in many ways, push a frontier to make a difference with his life. And I think that the thing for me that I always find is um, self-preservation is very hard to have self-preservation and be generous. It's really interesting watching people be generous with their time, with their talent, with their treasure and taking risk like Mike is at the moment. And I just go, what that means is here is somebody who is worth following. And I think that's just a good question for for all of us at times to go, you know, how is my level of self-preservation? Am I really willing to actually make myself vulnerable for the purpose that's bigger than just my own needs? And on the other side of that coin is to ask, 
would the people who work with you, who share life with you in a meaningful way, do they see generosity as a value that you live? Because I say that basically that, that someone who's very, very generous very rarely has a lot of self-preservation going on. And it's always one of those ones where I try and look at both sides of the coin because they don't often answer the question, what's your self-preservation? We usually see it in leaders and there's nothing less attractive than self-preservation. So I love the fact that in Mike, we can we can effectively highlight and celebrate someone who embodies, I think, both those things which, which you and I shared there in terms of the honest reflection, but also that kind of really deciding the vision is bigger than their individual need. Anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, I think it's great. And for those who are listening, um, if you're inspired by this and, you know, this is what we do, we basically decided to live liberation as a lifestyle, but we help organizations. We help teams around the world. Uh, we're in about 114 countries. Um, I think at this point in time, we have, uh, over 800, um, guides that, that basically are coaches and consultants or trainers who, Add giant to their world. So here's the opportunity. If you're an organization and you love this and you want to bring this into your organization, go to giantworldwide.com. Uh, it's basically a way for you to understand um, how to establish language and systems that can help you um, grow and build better teams and a better organization. And then if you're a coach or a consultant or if you know someone that it is, then they simply add giant to their repertoire. You add the tools, you add the content, you add the technology and the platform into your world. And our operating system is being used by companies of all shapes and sizes from Google and Microsoft down to um, small mom and pops down to nonprofits. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's a, really a based on teams where there's teams and they need to get better and that's where Giant really, really um, thrives. So giantworldwide.com, for those of you who want more information, um, go have a look. Um, Steve-O, good to see you. Thanks again. Until next yeah. time, uh, we'll see you all later. Wish you all the best. Cheers. If you're looking for a speaker for your next event, whether live or remote, Jeremy Kubitschek speaks to audiences all over the world. Jeremy is a best-selling author, international speaker, and co-founder of Giant Worldwide. He has started over 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. Whether you're looking to impact your executive team, your entire organization, or if you're hosting a public event, go to jeremykubitschek.com to learn more.